This is a pre-recorded version of the WTKA Roundtable <laughs> on WTKA, unsurprisingly, 9 o'clock Thursdays. It is pre-recorded, however, so if you call in, no one will answer. back, folks, here on the Michigan Insider Sports Talk 1050 WTKA online at WTK.com. Live here with the MGO Blog Roundtable crew joining Ira and I every single Thursday in the 9 o'clock hour. The MGO Blog Roundtable with Brian Cook. Brian, how are you this morning? Good. How are you? I'm doing great. Seth Fisher, you heard from in the last segment. Seth, Seth welcome back. Thank you. It's uh, nice to have our one week when the Tigers are good. I'm so sad that it's over. <laughs> <laughs> and then Mr. Craig Ross, who joins us as always. Craig, how are you this morning? I'm doing well. It's a beautiful morning in Hawaii, or at least I'll assume it will be in a, in, when the sun comes up here. All so. right. So, guys, uh, big news, big news for the universe, not just for athletics, but for the university. Right? It, hiring of a president. <clears throat> Santa Ono rave reviews on social media from uh, from from Cincinnati folks. I don't know how much that that really matters in the grand scheme of things, but it is a good omen, it seems to me, especially as it relates to his view of athletics. So let me get your reactions first, starting with you, Brian. What do you make of this hire? What have you heard about uh, about this hire? What do you think of Santa Ono? Well, uh, Mike Proppy, who was the student council president here, pointed out a thread on Twitter from a guy who writes for the Vancouver and Vancouver newspaper, just talking about his his tenure and what he was able to do at uh, UBC, and that felt a lot like a guy who's able to come in and not have anything scandalous happen. <laughs> Seems like a pretty low bar, huh? <laughs> it it does seem like a low bar, right? <laughs> but that's the that's where we're at right now. So I, I think that he'll probably be guy who's on Twitter a little bit and posts some milk toasty things, and the university is not going to change a great deal under him. But they also won't have to deal with uh, any niche sort of incidents, uh, and I think that's important like you know after dave brandon left the athletic department they brought in jim hackett and like hackett was short-termer and this isn't this is not an interim hire but i kind of feel like the analogy there is is accurate where this guy is not going to be transformative but he is going to maybe settle some things down and uh, prevent the university from getting sued repeatedly for sexual harassment (laughs) which is what he did at ubc by the way which is, yeah. you know, he stepped into UBC under very similar circumstances. Mm-hmm. Seth, we got your turn. Well, just just for uh, the roundtable purposes, uh, let's revisit your thoughts on Santa Ono. Yeah, he, there, I mean, we've heard great things from Cincinnati people. The educational people seem more more excited about him than even we do. And me personally, just going back through Michigan history, I think that as much as Angel didn't get along with, the, with athletics, and we could leave that aside, he was really good at making Michigan kind of the, the he his name was out there. People knew Angel and knew Michigan was doing things. And I think that Ono is going to be maybe more of that kind of guy. Bollinger was more of that kind of guy where the thought leadership in America uh, was hearing the name University of Michigan very often, in part because he was considered one of those people who was just out there. He sang things. He sang things publicly. And he seems to have that kind of way about him. So... I, I had one person tell me they they got a unicorn. That they there is they they were so lucky that that this guy showed up, and it it might be one of the best hires uh, in Michigan history, which is not saying that much because 
you know, you got Angel, you got Bollinger. I think MSC was fine. And then there's kind of a big drop off from there. So, mm-hmm. uh, I, you know, we had an emergency to get over, but we also just, there was a very obvious candidate who uh, everyone seems to like a lot. And just from the athletic side, like, thank we, there, there's such a change going on in athletics now. Probably the biggest change since the 1950s, and television changed the whole market. And to have somebody who sees what's going on, who's percept, uh, just not just perceptive, but like open to making changes and open to leading instead of just you know, okay, what you guys go do whatever you need to do. Um, that's going to be really important for Michigan athletics going on. And I like that we have somebody who seems to be uh, listening to what the people who need who are saying we need to change and need to lead change are saying Craig Ross yeah well it's impossible I think to overstate the importance of the tensions that exist in the university between the academic and the athletic side and this is something that's gone on forever back to the 1890s and Angel in this respect was a genius in my opinion uh, Angel was important to, in, in shaping the University of Michigan from uh, a style of education that was very different than from the English English style of recitation that went on elsewhere in the in the 1890s, uh, but he also understood the importance of football, even though he despised football. He he found football to be barbaric and brutal and pointless, but he also understood that that football was important to the University of Michigan and its continued existence. This was something that was not understood by the president at Harvard, who won't go into that, it was a flake. And, uh, and the University of Chicago, I think his name was Williams Harper Rainey, uh, that, that university was created on football, uh, which few may, un- may appreciate that, uh, that that university was created because of football, otherwise it would not have existed. And uh, so Ono, to me, seems like a really good pick. We'll see. I, I, I think it's a little unfair to say that Michigan hasn't had other good presidents because they certainly have. Um, and, uh, but I think Ono will, will try and strike a, a good balance between uh, the academic side of the university and the athletic side. And certainly he appreciates how important that interface is. And then this is, Brian will appreciate this. I think they won the Canadian championships in curling. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think they really have had a great curling program and that was all due to Ono. (laughs) All right. Well, let's get a, let's get a rink in then. Come on. Yeah. (laughs) All kidding aside, he has, he, to Brian's point, he has to, walk in dealing with the scandals that he uh, yeah. not not inherited but that that are ushering him that's what what ushered him in as the new president right the last president was fired because of his own scandal and his you know sort of uh inaction uh with the scandal that he presided over when it came to the uh the the provost and all the accusations that were against him as I mentioned before, I stepped into very similar circumstances at UBC and and handled those and 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 brought them to the point where everyone is saying this is an outstanding hire for the University of Michigan. I set that uh, against that backdrop. I wonder what you guys think his priority will be or priority list will be coming in the door, because we got a lot of fans thinking that the first priority for him as soon as he gets there, will be, and I'll, I'll bring this up on the screen uh, as we as we speak here from our our some of our viewers on the um, over on YouTube, basically saying that hey, NIL will open up as a result of of Santa Ono coming in. I, I, I'm curious, what does it mean? What do you think? Where will that register on his list? Do you think it will register on on his list? And what does it mean? that he's a big supporter of, of sports. What does that look like to you in the grand scheme of things, Brian? Well, I mean, the, I mean, the first part of that question about NIL is like, I don't necessarily think he's going to have a big impact because that would mean you're going to go to the athletic director, you're going to the football coach, you're going to be like, hey, do a bunch of stuff differently. And that doesn't really feel like a thing that a lot of leaders are going to do on day one of the job with the Michigan athletic department, 
right? Like the kind of folks who become university presidents usually do it because they're pretty good at smoothing over a bunch of stuff and becoming politically acceptable to a lot of different factions. And that generally does not include uh, showing up at the temple and like, instead of like seeing the money lenders and being like, Hey, let's, let's get organized. Like that's not how it works. So I, I kind of feel like that's a hope that a lot of people have that I don't think is going to come to fruition and we're going to probably still be on about the same path. And similarly, I don't really know what the president of the university is going to be able to do in regards to Michigan athletics. Um, like Schlissel was not a big fan, but like the athletic department continued doing what it was, was doing. And it was, it was a, a situation where there's this sort of armor of the university that he didn't touch. And I, I kind of feel like it's going to be similar. And what could we possibly see as a development from the president? We might see Michigan be a little bit more transfer friendly. I think that is something that uh, you could see because that's something where the athletic department is interacting with another part of the university. And that could be a thing where he would step in and be like, well, uh, this guy went to a major university. He has these credits. Let's just make it work. But other than that, I'm not really sure that it's going to be a big impact. Craig, what do you think? Yeah, I think Brian hit it. Uh, I don't think he's going to have much impact on NAL. I, I know I'm a broken record on this, but people say NIL when they mean play, pay for play. Yes, exactly. And these are two very different things. Michigan will continue to be active as an NIL in the NIL arena, and it's clear that they are. Uh, what they're not going to do, and this could come from the presidency, I guess, is they're not going to be in the pay-for-play business, at least overtly. And 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 I and I don't think Ono is going to change change that. And now, in terms of the transfer portal, which is an an irritating thing to to many of us, I think. Uh, I think that's something he might do something with because that connects to admissions and what admissions is 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 going to do. Uh, vis-a-vis high-level athletes, whether they're going to bend some rule, bend some rules that might otherwise uh, exist. So, agree. Transfer portals a question. NIL, he's, it's already there. Pay for play. I can't see him coming out and saying, "Yeah, we should just pay people. We need thirteen million dollars to keep our guys out of the transfer portal." I don't see that happening. Seth, I, I, I think Brian's really hit hit on something where like there's a lot of institutionality to Michigan and. Even as far as the transfer portal, that's going to be difficult because admissions is kind of running their own show. And there's there's been a long-standing history at Michigan where admissions is not allowed to be pressured from any other part of the university. They're independent and they get to run their – they get to do things how they want to. So I don't even know how much he can change that immediately. When I say that he's going to be forward-looking and that he's going to be innovative, I think I'm talking more about 2030 than 2022. It's, it, we're not changing anything immediately unless Mary Sue Coleman was the one who was standing in the way of Michigan paying. And I don't really think that's true. I think that's more of a Ward and Harbaugh thing. Um, so if we're not going to be doing that immediately, I don't think that's necessarily going to change. But we are transitioning now from a world where cable television was uh, what all the deals are about. We're transitioning to a world where the Big Ten is gobbling up and the SEC are gobbling up these the, the, the college landscape, the college football landscape is going to be changing to something more similar to a pro model. And in periods of transition, there's a lot of opportunity for new schools to pop up and be huge. And there's a lot of opportunity for old schools to fall back and turn into Minnesota and Northwestern. And the question is, where's Michigan going to be? Because if we stand still, if we just kind of look at, try to do things the way we've always done them, we're going to end up being Minnesota. You're, you're, you're not going to, it's very easy to fall off the top. So being on the forefront of, of innovation and seeing where things are going, because things may, we can't all tell where things are going to go, but we're probably going to be watching uh, sports online a lot more, probably going to be a lot easier to access sports that people don't watch as much now. Uh, we've used the example for, of baseball for a long time. Like there's a potential for NCAA baseball to overtake summer leagues and change the whole math there and create another big sport that they can then package and sell using online to sell things. And they have their own way. They, they, they sign their deals, but they also can put things out themselves. 
so athletics is going to be going through a transition in the next 10 years that I think is as large as any transition uh, for a century. And that is going to need someone who is looking, who, who's young, who sees where things are going and gets Michigan uh, transitioned into that period faster than other schools so we can take advantage of those changes. That's where yeah, I think I having think... Ono is going to, change, to be a big difference. I think the 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 overarching point that I take from you is that this is a, a long play, not a short play when you say 2030. Yeah. And I think that's a I think that is a very poignant message for for fans to take home because there are fans who expect I mean, when this hire was announced, it signaled to them that NIL is about to change. Right. We're, let's let's go back approach. to Dante Moore oh, right, now. <laughs> right now. Right now. Right now. This is about to change, right? <laughs> and, and you know, I reacted to it the same way that Brian, I mean, almost verbatim. I said, so when he arrives and he shows up and he goes and he talks to Ward and he talks to Jim, I imagine he'll talk to some regents like Jordan, and he asks them, so what are the problems? Because he'll say, he'll see the 13 Big Ten championships. He'll see you know, he'll look at the books and he said, wow, we're doing pretty well financially. Say so things are going pretty well. So where are the problems? What are the issues? I, I assume that they will say NIL, but will they say the NIL approach or will they say the problem, the NIL rules or lack thereof? I think they will say the latter, mm-hmm. that we need to work to get some more rules and some more guidelines in place. Uh, I'm sure they'll probably bring up, bring up the transfer portal too, but I, I think the way that that will manifest with with Ono is he talked or it's been talked about how when Cincinnati was, you know, looking to get into the Big 12, he went out and he visited every campus in the Big 12 and talked to every president on every campus in the Big 12 espousing the virtues of of UC. That to me is is what a in a, a president who is a partner with athletics looks like. But I don't think, to Brian's point, is swooping in and telling the the AD, the president, maybe even a, a region or two, you know what? Uh, you guys are thinking about NIL. That's all wrong. You're all wrong. My way is the way that we need to do this. I would be surprised if if he came in that way. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I, could, I couldn't just, agree more. Yeah, it's, it's, it's sort of a unrealistic hope, right? It's like, all right, this is not going very well. Let's hopefully the president will come in and wave a magic wand. And that's not the way you get into positions of power in this country. And, and <laughs> Michigan is an old institution with a lot of people who've been, you know, a lot of institutional people in charge of their, you know, their worlds. They're not going to accept someone like that. So I, oh no, he can't walk in and do that. I think that it's more Michigan needed a vision. Michigan spent a while, you know, we, we had an interim president, so I don't blame Mary Sue, but, uh, I think under Schlissel, Michigan spent a long time just kind of sitting there and living on our laurels. And we've been doing that to an increasing degree for 100 years now. Michigan, when Michigan was like the... Well, Michigan butted in, right? It was Harvard and Yale and all those schools. And, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this Midwestern school becomes one of the greatest uh, academic institutions in the world and managed to maintain that position. Uh, the, they were innovative, they were looking at new ways of getting students. They were looking at thing, ways differently than other schools were and saying, where, where are we missing out? Where, where are there valuable people? And Michigan, if you look at where Michigan uh, graduates come from nowadays, or Michigan students come from, they're very largely from places where Michigan graduates live. That's a, that's a school that's living on its laurels. And I think that we need an infusion of new people, and I think the transfer portal is one example where you can see that in miniature, right? Because Michigan should be looking at it as who are the best candidates? We should be the school that wants the best students here. Who are the best candidates? And that should you know be your what, guiding right? force. And you I know, think as you guys, Ono is the person who would be more, perceptive, more open to that kind of thinking. Yeah, as you mentioned it, though, as we have this conversation, uh, that's the this take, the transfer portal take, is the most realistic one I, I've heard. And he can... Not to say that he he'll come in and dictate to admissions, uh, but can he can he massage those relationships? Because it look there there are conversations between academics and athletics about admissions all the time, mm-hmm. all the time, right? Can he be 
an intermediary? You know, can he be someone who not relaxes the standards, but but sort of changes them and, and makes them more realistic in today's in today's world? I I don't that I don't think is unreasonable. N- not nearly if you do think it's unreasonable, it's not nearly as unreasonable as him coming in and telling you know all it, these people you're thinking wrong about NIL. It's a philosophical problem. Do you see? quote, relaxing academic standards. or A lot of people, and I think especially in the institution, see, quote, relaxing standards or changing how we do the transfer report, how we accept transfers as a watering down Michigan's educational, uh, right? Like that, if you see it that way, you're never going to change. And I think that that philosophy is wrong. And I think that Ono comes from a much larger, younger generation of of leadership at these schools that sees things very differently. That says that's not necessarily what you're looking at. If this is a great football player, he's already done things to make himself a great candidate. He's he's going to help us. And that kind of person is someone, if they want to come transfer to Michigan, if you're saying, okay, I got a cushy lifestyle here at Ole Miss, but I want the greater challenge of Michigan, that right there has already put you into a category, which is not a very large category of people who are probably going to academically succeed here. You have to start opening up your idea of what's going to make a great Michigan graduate and what, who's going to be a, a benefit to the university as a whole. And I, I hope that this is an opportunity to change that mindset where we're looking at things like, are you, you know, the, the child of a, of a graduate? Oh, uh, how good, how good we were, how, what kind of school did you go to? Because we only want transfers down. We don't want any, we only want people from Stanford, not from Ole Miss. And I think that that's wrong. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, I think maybe we have managed the expect, or at least we, we've tried to manage expectations a little bit. I don't know how effective it'll be because the messages I'm still getting in saying, hey, damn it, that's not how it should be. He should make NIL a priority. This is Michigan, right? Those are the kind of messages that are coming through. But, you know, we tried our best to manage the expectations. We're going to switch gears on the other side. Last week we talked about uh, at the end of the show, now that the transfer for uh, I me mean, or the, the recruiting cycle is over and the transfer cycle is over for Michigan, what they look like relative to the Big Ten and then relative to the field. What are your expectations in basketball? Talking about basketball. What are your expectations for the Hardwood Wolverines uh, next year? I've seen some some early rankings, some early projections of the Big Ten. And is Michigan a contender, whether it's conference or beyond? I ask you guys, and we'll get into that question on the other side here on the Michigan Insider and go blog roundtable on Sports Talk 1050 WTKA, the ticket. Okay, so Ryan Bronner says he's a sports guy. I just don't know that he's fully aware of NIL. <laughs> I think he's going to be learning about NIL when he gets here. Like they don't have anything akin to that in in, in Canada. Canada? <laughs> in curl in, in Canadian curling. I think he's. I'm I'm sure I'm sure within the curling world there are people who offer cash inducements to come here as opposed to there and whatnot. Like you cannot have athletics without that kind of. I mean, it used to happen in Michigan down sports, too. Like, you know, we'd lose players to some school. We'd be like, okay, you want to spend $10,000 on a volleyball player? We're not going to stop you. You know, like that that's happened before. You know, and did you guys notice, by the way, that uh, what's his name? Tracy Smith brought in two of his old coaches. Uh, I did not. This, okay. Yeah. It's, it's sort of curious because – the one guy was with him. He seems like a good hire. I'm blocking on his name. The, the Greenspan. Pardon me? Are you talking about the No, not coach? the pitching coach. Okay. The hitting and recruiting. The recruiting. He brought in this guy. He's calling him his catcher and hitting coach and his recruiting coordinator. Okay. And he was and he was a good recruiter at Indiana with him. He's an Indiana graduate. And he played at uh, – at Indiana, and then he he went out he went out to Arizona State with Smith, and then last year this guy went to Cal Poly, and I'm trying to figure out what the heck. But then it turns out Cal Poly has a pretty good baseball program, but it was a sideways move. He went from Arizona State to Cal Poly as a as an assistant coach. Well, Smith and got then fired. 
So he was all his whole staff was gone. Oh, he was off for a year. That's the answer. That's so, okay. Yeah. So Smith didn't have a all job right. last year, so he couldn't put anybody. That, uh, that's yeah. oh, you solved my problem because I was trying to figure out. And the other guy went to Boise State as an assistant coach, the pitching coach. And uh, it looks like, even though it was reported otherwise, that Brandon Inge is staying mm-hmm. in the program. So Inge is staying in the program, and he has a pitching coach and a hitting coach and a recruiting coordinator. But what's going on within the program at this point is there's nothing that's that's out there except one site said they've lost 22 guys but doesn't name any of them. Oh. Uh, and I don't think they've lost 22 guys. I think they've lost, you know, a few. Well, uh, yeah, a couple I, wins. I think there's a bunch of guys who went to the portal because the, the deadline was coming up and yeah. they didn't know who Michigan was going to hire. So, you know, you got to yeah. keep your options open. Um, I think that's probably right. But I mean, not not everyone's going to be highly sought after. You know, we had a kind of a top heavy team. So, yeah, yeah, I, no, the Bertram and Weiss and is gone. Overtop's probably in the draft. So, yeah. you but, guys you have know. any any thoughts on these mm-hmm. last of these these last few pickups? Um, Achi and Pong, Amir Herring, or Eno Etta that you? Yeah, well, <laughs> they yeah, hey, we got some momentum. <laughs> All right, yeah, yeah. I'll. I'll I'll definitely throw them, and I didn't know if you had. I mean, I wonder if Michigan's theory is to go German and and go African. (laughs) I'm really, I mean, they they seem to be recruiting very heavily with African natives, which is great, and they're recruiting heavily with guys from Germany or Paris or whatever. And I wonder if this international (coughs) theory is one. That's. That's been something Michigan's always been strong at as a university is you go outside of America mm-hmm. and ask someone to name a U.S. university and they'll be like, oh, there's Harvard. Back on radio Yale, in about 10 Michigan. seconds, guys. You know, like they, it's mm-hmm. we have a very good brand outside of the country. Uh, and, and a, a lot really... of schools that you think would don't like they don't know Ohio State. Fellas, speaking of getting on board, three new commitments that, you know, on the heels of some disappointment last week, the Wolverines have actually gotten some good news on the recruiting trail and all three guys in the four-star variety, Collins, Pong, the defensive end from out in California by way of Ghana, Amir Herring from West Bloomfield, and then yesterday, Eno Etta from Colleyville, Texas. And so, uh, you know, a little bit of momentum there, Seth. What do you think of these pickups? I, I, there are, these are a couple of guys that when we were worried about Michigan losing their momentum and losing their mojo, this is kind of where we were worried it was really going to kill us, right? Like, oh, no, Michigan looks like they're undone. People are just going to offer some inducements, and they're not going to be able to get these kinds of guys. Because these are dudes – I mean, there are some other guys on Michigan's board that they're going to lose to Ohio State and Notre Dame that they wouldn't have otherwise. But this is that next level. These guys are all in that spot of uh, not in the top 250 but still four stars, Right, like they're all in that very, very close range of like the two sixties to to three hundreds, and Michigan has traditionally built a lot of their classes out of that range. And Harbaugh's programs are traditionally found better players than you usually find in that range. That range are usually guys who are who were big four stars or four or, or almost five stars and kind of fell down as like the as people saw their junior and senior tape. Uh, and Michigan. And the other guys in that range are the guys who were like three stars and not heard of for a long time, who maybe need some development or not going to be available for a year or like you have to project. And sites are not really willing to put those guys into the higher ranges and make them a top 150 player. You know, Edda, they have no problem making it. Like some, some of those, uh, some of them are saying, yeah, that guy's a top 100 player right there. Um, Collins Ashenpong, uh ESPN actually said something about him. And, I write these recruiting profiles. I've been doing these all summer, these recruiting profiles. Do you know how hard it is for ESPN to write something about one of our guys? They went the whole cycle this year with one article about Michigan. It was just the article saying, like, here's the top 25 classes, and then they listed some guys that Michigan signed. They don't look at guys that Michigan's going after, but they turned to this guy and said uh, they remind him of uh, Jadavian Clowney because he is just – He's got that speed, that ridiculous speed, and that ridiculous body. His hand size and his arm length are the same, and that's the kind of guy that Michigan has already shown you they can develop, right? Like they created David Ojabo out of that kind of guy. They created a Taco Charlton out of that kind of guy. So they're 
they're still doing the thing that they've been really good at that they built last year's team out of. And I think that that's a really good sign. Uh, Amir Herring, I'm not, uh, you know, I, I think that they kind of fell down on him over the time. And then, like, as other opportunities to get into, like, big national offensive line uh, commitments, they, they kind of found themselves on the uh, outside looking in. And and at that point, you're like, okay, Amir played for Bellamy. He's, he's a dude. He's going to work for you. So I think that that one was, like, he was always going to end up in Michigan, and maybe we kind of cooled on him for a bit because we thought we'd get five stars. Uh, but yeah, other than that, man, this is this is good. This is very good. Yeah, Brian. I mean, the, the Collins Ashton Pong is is really interesting because he has the tool six seven two fifty. He just hadn't played football in a couple of years, right? So it, it's it's a projection. But if you're gonna make a projection, that's that's the kind of uh, upside that you bet on. And this is the kind of guy that Mike Elston. And you look at his. And Mike Elston's track record, he's developed guys like like this before. So uh, just at, at least here over the last few few weeks, I, I really feel like we're starting to feel his imprint on this class. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, something where, you know, everybody's talking about the NIL stuff and, <laughs> and some guys can make it work even with the issues we're going through right now. And I think that Elson is proving to be a pretty good pickup in that regard. Mm-hmm. You you watch any of these guys, Craig? Yeah, I have. Um, I, I think part of the issue with Amir Herring was Michigan was really trying to pick up offensive tackles, and they weren't con- convinced he's an offensive tackle. And I think they've recruited him as an inside guy. They have. And there, I think that's absolutely fine. And I, I think the prognosis for him is a – as a, as a good center or guard is there, uh, the po- prognosis is positive. The other guys, I, I think, I mean, especially Collins, hasn't really played a lot of football. And so that's you're, you're projecting a guy based on what looks like a guy who could be a fine athlete who, you know, hasn't played a ton of football but seems to look like, yeah, he might be really good. Right. And, my, and that's my my impression there. Eno Etta, I think, is just a good football player and – I think part of the concern for him is whether he ends up playing on the edge or whether he ends up playing at a three tech. And I don't think he wanted to play at a three tech, I think, but I guess it depends on how, how big he gets and how quick he is. But I think he's a good football player. Uh, Other schools wanted him. Michigan state was dying for him. Uh, And uh, so these are very good pickups and Elston is proving to be, it seems like a fairly good recruiter. I think everyone always assumed he was a good coach, and that I think that's probably true also. So um, good news, good news all around. We still could use an offensive tackle in this class, but maybe you know, maybe, but, maybe all, one all all I I want to make yeah. a point about Etta real quick. Uh, was it Justice Finkley last year that Michigan like was like in uh, was about to get, and then they brought him up, and I think they measured him and said like, you know, we know. Yeah, <laughs> he was like he was he was six six one or so. Right, right. Wanted some change. Right. So, and and at that point, he had to be a he had to be a tackle. He had to go inside. And this when they looked at Etta, who also get he gets listed as six one some places or six two other places. They looked at that guy and said, "No, we want him outside." So that tells me that Michigan, if Michigan turned down Justice Finkley and were after this and after Etta and, and already had measured both of them. That tells me that they've seen what they saw in like a Mike Morris and yeah, our guys yeah. at twenty four seven had him at a at a verified six four. Okay, I think they had him verified six four and a half. So, so yeah, he's not small, and and that's and that makes a big difference. You need that length to to play the way that Michigan does because Michigan needs uh, that length. If you want to want to know where that is in the football field, you. If you're playing the edge, if you're playing outside like a strong edge there, the difference in your arm length is how much space that running back has to get around you without you having to move. And those inches right there are a big deal that you have to be a much better running back to bounce outside and get that extra inch because that's the difference between, you know, your hand getting on a guy's leg or your hand missing that guy's leg. So Uh those that's where that's what they're looking at. And having a guy with length at that position the way that Michigan plays outside in uh it is a big deal and obviously they saw what they needed there and this is a it's a big deal as well because these are these are your 
your edges probably in this class, considering now uh, if they were to land Nicholas Harbor, if they were to get him, it wouldn't be as an edge. And I could definitely tell that sitting down and talk to him. He did not want to play defense. It was not <laughs> conducive with, not because he doesn't like defense, but it wasn't, it wasn't consistent with him being a big time track guy. You can't be a big time track guy at 240 pounds. Can't be a big time track guy if you're six five, two ten, or two fifteen. Mm-hmm. That's why he's a receiver, and that's why they're like, okay, <laughs> we're, we're, you as we're a not, we're not picky right now. <laughs> we'll, we'll recruit you as a receiver right now. Yeah. We'll see how it goes, but I think they're looking, they're looking pretty, uh, pretty good with him right now. But fellas, I asked you the the basketball question at the end of last week's show and didn't give that topic uh, enough time. So let's start there. I know we talked about Yusef. Uh, Hyatt last week uh, and what you think his role would be. We talked about Joey Baker. Now let's talk about what those additions do to Michigan in the Big Ten conversation. And then where do you think they fit in the national conversation, Brian? I mean, is Michigan on paper a contender this year? Um, For what? <laughs> Final four contender. On, um, paper. on paper. Okay. Um, No. Like, I, I think... There's just a couple of holes that are going to make it difficult. Like there's not enough guard depth. You're really relying on a Princeton transfer to run the point at this at this juncture. And you don't really know if you have a wing defender. You don't know what you're going to get from Jet. I mean, it, I, I I would say that I would expect a season that's less frustrating than last season, but probably something more on the order of like you know they can get a four seed and get to the Sweet 16 and then see what happens. Well, inside a, co- a conference, uh, I'm, I'm pretty optimistic because I went through la- yesterday the rest of the Big Ten, and, and it's mostly a mess. I mean, uh, I mean, you got a team like Northwestern that's like a bunch of Elvis impersonators gone to seed, essentially. I mean, the, the, that, that team is, is terrible when you've got Chase Adij as your best player, and he's like a, a, a good athlete who doesn't understand the first thing about basketball. And, uh, you know, the conference is a mess. Nebraska's a mess. Maryland's a mess. Uh, you know, it, every single team in this conference has got – is a complete rework. I mean, Illinois brought, is bringing in a lot of guys but that are good, including Terrence Shannon, uh, uh, but they lose their entire team. I think they lost their first six guys are all, are all, are all gone. And so to put and, – and can you trust Brad Underwood to put together no. anything, <laughs> anything coherent uh, with all new guys? I mean, that's a, that's, that's a question I would have. And the team that everyone is picking to win the conference is Indiana. And I just don't, you know, yeah, that Trace uh, Davis Jackson is a good ball player. Their point guard is okay. What's his name? Xavier Johnson. But outside of that, it's just a bunch of guys. It's like Northwestern refugees like Taylor or what is his name? Uh, Cop and a, and a bunch of other guys. And so it, to me, Michigan has as, as, as good a chance as anyone to win the conference. It just depends on who can put these, their stray pieces together into a whole. And, and Michigan's got a lot of interesting, I might say pieces, but how these pieces all fit together. I don't know. I know Sam and I love Kobe Bufkin yeah. coming out of high school. I, yeah. I thought, man, Kobe Bufkin is going to be a player. And I still think he may be, but you know, I don't want to discount him, but I don't want to, assume at this point that yeah he's going to kill it but if buffkin comes out and and is and is and is a 28 30 minute a game guy and his defense picks up um well i'm starting to like what michigan has because i think kayad is a guy who can fill in a lot of places i mean you got the probably in my opinion the best player in the big 10 and hunter dickinson uh you know I don't see, you know, again, how do these pieces fit together? Is it, is it a complete duck-billed platypus where it's just like, what is this? Right. Or, 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 is, or, are they, or are they putting these pieces together? I mean, is, can Jet play at this level right away? So you, you, said, you said a mouthful. I think with, I asked the question the way I did 
for a reason because Brian's mm-hmm. absolutely on paper. This is not a Final Four contender. Yeah. Um, you know, this is a this is a team that does have some significant holes. But man, they you can see the possibilities. Like they have guys on the team that can fill those holes. Cole being one of them. I still believe in Kobe Bufkin. I, I still believe he's going to be a guy. I think he was further along physically than I expected him to be last year, but he was swimming. I mean, yeah. he was swimming, especially on defense. That's been a huge focus for him in the offseason. He's talked about it. He can he can clear he can definitely shoot it better than he shot it. But I think everything goes back to on the defensive end of the floor. He was a liability last year. There's just no, I mean, that that limited his minutes. I felt like if he got more time, he could shoot his way. He could shoot his way into some consistency because I think he's a, a pretty good shooter. But if you can't, if you can't be left on the floor on defense, you're not gonna get a chance to 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 shoot enough shots to get into some some kind of rhythm. I think that he'll be better on that end, both because of experience and because of the focus. But that's a pure projection. Just like with T. Will, they're talking about how T. Will, as good as he shot it last season, in the offseason, his three-point shooting percentages, Kobe was talking about it in that interview he just did. It's like, man, his three-point shooting percentages in the offseason have been off the charts. So can, can T. Will really take it up a notch in that category during the season and put it on the deck a little bit? I mean, that's a projection. We can't say that for sure. So, If you're looking think- at counting stats, T-Will doesn't look awesome. If you're looking at, uh, at tempo free, T-Will was actually pretty good. His, the, the problem with him is just his defense is just limited by what his, you know, what his size is. But if you play him at the four, I think that's a much better use for him. And as long as – Michigan has so many X factors, but like Craig said, the rest of the Big Ten's not that good – I think it really comes down to Michigan or Illinois. I I don't whatever Brett Underwood like that. He they put good players on that team. Good players make good basketball teams. Illinois does not have uh, a center. They don't have anybody that they losing Kofi is is a huge deal for them. And Michigan has Hunter Dickinson. That gives them a pretty high floor. I think the floor is probably fourth in the Big Ten just because Hunter Dickinson is a a monster. He's one of the best players in college basketball and. I think that, you know, I love Musa Giabate, but I don't think that he uh, – we didn't get the full Musa, right? You're not – we didn't get everything right. that you're going to get out of him. Right. And he was a trade-off. Your offense suffered a little bit in order to get his defense on the court. So we're probably going to lose some defense. Kobe Bufkin is just a massive X factor. But they have shooting around uh, Hunter now that they didn't have before, which is going to be more spacing. And he passes out of the uh, out of the post so well. So – if they're knocking down their shots, which was a big problem last year, Caleb Houston wasn't knocking down his shots, and you know they they lose the professor, but you know they didn't really have shooting from the point guard position last year, and they do now. So now you have the point guard position and the four, which are both going to be shooting positions, and you just have and and you're going to have to cover those guys on the perimeter, and that means more space for Hunter Dickinson. I think that offensively they're going to take a huge step forward, and as this team comes together and as Jack gets more experience and Kobe becomes uh, gets better, they're probably going to be a very tough out in the playoffs, and we might see a run where they kind of outperform what their season was. So project for me, fellas, starting with you, Brian. I mean, we talked about Jalen Llewellyn already, but but is he in the spectrum of expectations, at least for you personally, is he more in terms of um, contribution, Shondi Brown? Mike Jones or or Devontae Jones in level of contribution to the team. What do you think of, of Jalen Llewellyn's impact, Brian? Um, I, I think around Devontae Jones is about what you can expect. I mean, Jones was the Sunbelt player of the year. Uh, Jalen Llewellyn was not quite at that level, but the Ivy League is is a better conference than the Sunbelt by some distance. Um, and he was... Uh, fairly high usage efficient player on a good Princeton team. So I think he's a guy who's going to be able to fit in. He's more of a combo than a, a pure point. So I think you're going to need to get some secondary playmaking. Um, and, and I don't think the ball is going to be in his hand all the time. At least I hope not. Cause I hope Buffkin is able to, you know, really glow up in his sophomore year and, and take on some of that responsibility. But, you know, I think he'll be a good big 10 player, but not an out and out star. Hmm. Craig. I, I, I would say he's closer to Mike Smith. Um, 
you know, I mean, he comes from the Ivies. He, he's a good shooter, but he, uh, Smith played on a terrible team and, uh, and, and, and Llewellyn didn't, he played on a pretty decent team. Um, you know, I'm still of the opinion that so much on this team is going to be determined on who can play defense. Uh, you know, because I love Doug McDaniel. I love, I love his game. I love how he plays. He's small. I know if, if Doug McDaniel can play defense, he is, he is an offensive player. He, he, he can, he can pass the ball. He can move, he can guide a team in traffic. Uh, but can he play any defense coming in as a freshman? Uh, that's, that's a big, a big if. Of course, I don't know if Llewellyn can play defense at this level either. So Michigan's got a billion questions like most teams in, in the Big Ten. It's just, a, uh, this is, will be fascinating to see how uh, Juwan and his staff might be able to piece this together into a whole. Uh, level of expectation lot. for uh, Jalen Llewellyn, Seth? I mean, they're, they weren't that great at defense, and it's really hard yeah, to pick out. They were terrible. Well, it's, yeah, it's, trying to, it's, it's hard to pick out Llewellyn out of that whole mess because nobody could defend there. And, you know, once, once you break down, you're chasing and you're not actually playing defense. But, yeah, this is not going to be as great a defensive team. But, you know, Eli was the one who kind of kept everybody sorted out, and you're transitioning from that to Kobe Bufkin, who – needs to focus on his own game and probably going to take a step forward of some sort, but he's not going to be a floor general. And who's going to get, who's getting them all organized defensively. I think that we're looking at a team that's going to be probably a lot easier to score on. And, you know, when you look back at this team, there's going to be a lot of like, man, Frankie, what were you thinking? Cause that's, that's like yeah. the last piece that they really need. And I, I know that it gets into all sorts of things, but like that is going to be a, a major, what if I, and going into the season and probably coming out of the season to be like, Frankie, come on, man. Like all they need is some defense on the outside. And that, that would have changed the whole story. Hunter is a, Hunter's not a bad defender. He was playing on a bad ankle last year. So I think that like maybe uh, underrating how strong Michigan can be defending the post because he's shut down some really good uh, uh, offensive players in the past. And the quality of centers this year just shot way down from maybe like a, a peak, right? Like the, Yeah, he's thanking the yeah. basketball guys. He didn't have to see Kofi Coburn anymore. Uh, for sure, for sure, yeah. for sure. But I, I wanted to get one more in on a different sport, different topic real quick. So, Ryan, another couple first-round picks for the uh, Wolverines in, in, in hockey. Uh, yeah. The beat just keeps on going for, for the talent coming into the program. Yeah, and they've got another couple guys who are on Corey Pronman's top 23 for the next draft. Uh, uh, Adam Fantilli's number three, and I think uh, Gavin Brindley's 18. So, yeah, they, they've got a ton of talent coming in in this class, and um, they lost just an absolute pile of talent themselves so it's going to be an interesting year I, I think there's going to be some transition issues where you know especially early these guys who are really young and real talented maybe are going to struggle a little bit with the step up in competition but I think by the end of the year they'll have it up and going is Mel still the coach? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I, mean, like, I think they left kinda, that one for Ono. There's, there's where Ono can actually do something. <laughs> I kind of, I kind of feel like if he wasn't going to be the coach, that would already be the case. Um, and uh, I, we'll, we'll see. I mean, it's, this situation is extremely strange. Uh, yeah. If he's not the coach, I would imagine that they just go with um, Bill. Mil um, not uh, with Bill McCall, unless mm -hmm. he's implicated in any of this stuff. I kind of feel like he probably isn't because um, everybody really seems to like uh, McCall. And I think there would be some continuity there, but we'll see. Yeah, it doesn't. All signs point to Mel Pearson being a coach. I mean, the, the way that they talk is that it's about the release. I can't imagine that there's anything that is going to be revealed that they don't know about yet. Like, I, I just would be surprised by that. It's just a matter of the report coming out and then that making sure that the, everything that has been accounted for and then getting the deal signed. I, I just, I, I don't know any other way to look at it at this point. And the only comments that we've gotten suggest that that is the 
very likely outcome. I see Yaira. I see I, the very likely outcome is that he's going to be the coach. But the absence of a deal, I get why the question came because there is no, there has been no deal signed yet. I, so I wish they'd handled this, and I wish they'd gotten it done before they hired the president. Because worst case scenario is okay. The the report says you have to fire the guy, and it just costs you a bunch of money. Michigan can weather money. And if it looks like it happened when we didn't have a president, then it doesn't really. Then it's like, okay, Alno came in and cleaned up the problem. And now, whatever decision they make, it, it even if it's not really him, like, I don't think he's gonna. I, it's more Ward's call than, than than. But I think that it's gonna be, you know, it, it's now on him. You had this great opportunity where it was gonna skip the top of your because no one was really in charge. Oh, well, MSC was in charge, but it was just. You know, it was, she was an intern. You could have gotten it done. And if Michigan's concern was like, oh, no, if we make a mistake, it's going to cost us a lot of money. I mean, you, you, you've you thrown bad money at worst ideas than signing up Mel and just getting this taken care of. But it doesn't seem to be affecting recruiting at all. So I guess that... Which is, which is amazing. Yeah. I, I thought for sure that would be a casualty. And it hasn't been. And it hasn't been. So uh, great a session again fellas as they always are with the round table you can check out the mgo blog crew over on mgoblog.com uh you can check us out the rest of us ira and i anyway tomorrow on the michigan insider we'll have eric adelson who's going to join us on on friday this week uh, and we're going to talk to john you bacon i'm sure they have plenty of thoughts on michigan's new president as well so be sure to tune in to the next edition of the michigan insider on sports talk 1050 wtk the ticket Official voice of University of Michigan Sports Ann Arbor, a cumulus station.